This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. You know, um, we had the wonderful privilege uh, to be asked of the Lord to start a work in Pretoria called Revolution Church. And when we started that work, we decided in the Lord to start with a prayer meeting. And uh, we felt that we, we, we don't dare step into the call without hearing God first. We don't dare stepping out onto any venture without Him leading, empowering, and enabling us. So we started a prayer meeting, which still runs on a, on a Sunday afternoon at 5, which we call God Encounter. And friends, I want to say that if prayer is not your foundation, you have nothing to stand on. Prayer should be the very thing that defines your life in every possible way. Even if your prayer is just help. Because God loves it when you and I actually brings our dependency, our weakness to Him. Because Scripture says, in our weakness, His strength is made perfect, made complete. So um, if it's up to me, we can just pray. And then when I'm done praying, I'll go sit down and it's done. Honestly, friends, I, I, I'm developing a love for prayer that I, I, I've always longed for, that it's beginning to show more and more fruit in my life. But I really want to encourage you to please be a praying people. Um, there's no way I can call my wife my wife if I'm never talking to her. There's no way I can call my father my father if I'm never talking to him. There's no way I can call Jesus my friend, my savior, my healer, my deliverer, all of the things that he is for me if I'm not ever speaking to him and talking to him. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we pray. And this should be your prayer and my prayer, our prayer. Is that all right? Just open up your heart because he hears our thoughts. He hears our heartbeats. He hears everything about us. Lord, as we open our hearts before you this morning, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and stir our hearts, that you would come and meet with us, Lord. It's, it's not about anything we can do. It's about everything you can do. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. It's been such a precious moment this morning of worship, of experiencing you. And Lord, I pray for an increasing measure of your experiencing us and us experiencing you, an increasing measure of your presence, an increasing measure of your power, an increasing measure of your purpose and your plans. And I ask, Lord God, that this morning we would hear you. Every one of us, that we would hear you, Lord. Would you use us? Would you enable us? Would you grace us, as Bruce has so beautifully said last, yesterday, Lord, that would you enable us so that we can step into all that you have for us, Lord, so that our lives can be a fragrance unto you. Our lives would be bringing glory to you. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that this morning, truly, we would be transformed, we would be touched, and we would be changed for your glory and for your name's sake. Let your kingdom come now here on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come right now, Lord God, to bring fruitfulness and righteousness. Let your kingdom come, Lord, to add all these things that you have really won for us to our lives. We pray that, Jesus, in your precious mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a high five and say, Jesus is amazing. Turn to someone else and say, I am so excited for what God is about to do. <clears throat> okay, cool. So, ladies, you can catch up on your vocabulary uh, deposits of the day, your quota system after the meeting. We'll get to get some coffee and then you, you, you ladies can catch up on that uh, quota. That's all right. So, yeah, I'm brave because my wife's not here. Yeah. It's, um, I'm Zach, Zacharias Martinez Smith Lombard. 
and uh, my wife is Alana, and I just love the picture that was up with the two of us. Um, she's an amazing, amazing gift to me, and uh, without her, there's no way I can do what I do. It's an amazing thing when God puts two people together, puts a community together, puts a church together, puts a family together, puts a team together, because God always does it as His own expense for the benefit of everyone else. Have you ever realized that? That God does everything at His expense for our benefit. The cross didn't cost you anything, it cost Him everything, but we benefit from that. And when God puts husband and wife team together, it's actually for the benefit of everyone else. And, and I want to touch on some of that this morning. Can we get that picture up? I miss my wife. Uh, um, and uh, I wanna, want you to know that uh, that day, <laughs> sorry, they, um, I've got two beautiful girls. Uh, we, we've got two girls together. We've been uh, married, God, by God's grace, for 25 years and a bit. And uh, they're praying for us this morning. They have been praying the whole weekend for us. And uh, they love coming here with me. And they send their love, but we're in the middle of exams and changing of schools and all those different kind of things. It's just one of those weekends where just it logistically wasn't possible for us to come together as a family. But please know that their hearts are here with us. And they're praying with us and they're trusting with us for a significant deposit from the Lord. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you would like to shipwreck your faith? Let's just jump in the deep end. <laughs> Who wants to shipwreck his faith? Anyone? <laughs> I hope none of you want to shipwreck your faith. The truth is that when we look around, we do see shipwrecked faith lives. We do see the cartilage and the damage of, of just sometimes life taking over and people losing their way and our faith getting shipwrecked. And... Um, one of the things that I firmly believe is that God's promises never changes. But I have seen that sometimes those who walk in the promises do change. Let me explain. When God comes and He gives a promise, that promise will stand. That promise with, will be upheld. That promise will be coming into fruition. But sometimes God gives that promise to individual A, but individual A does not keep the promise, doesn't take the promise, doesn't allow the covenant, and I want to speak about covenant a little bit, He doesn't allow that promise to become a reality in Him or her or through them because the price that it takes sometimes are just too much. And then what happens is that individual A doesn't take up the promise and the promise lays latent. Then individual B might come or individual C or God might be calling a few people to actually take up that promise, but the promise will be fulfilled. And the sad reality is that in, in this scenario, individual A has shipwrecked something of his or her faith, and they're not living in what God had called them to live in. And there are two realities that I want to touch on this morning, prophetically for you as a church. As I want to encourage those of you who have allowed whatever reason or circumstance to bring a taste, a smell, a fragrance of shipwreck to your faith for that to be restored. And secondly, there are some promises that are still brand new, that are still upheld by the Lord that have not been claimed yet. And God is looking for someone to claim those promises. 
I want you to grab your Bible, 1 Timothy 1, portion of Scripture that I've, I've spoken on on many occasions, and I think I might have touched on it here in this particular building as well. <clears throat> but I, I want to touch on two things that I feel are elementary in walking out what God has for us. So this whole weekend, I've loved how God is building it, forming a tapestry, painting a painting of just putting everything together. And I, and I love how uh, the different gifts that's been part of the summit have really just dovetailed together to establish something. And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm like, Flip, uh, uh, can we send someone else to watch tonight? I want to be here when Bruce speaks. Because um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited because I'm telling you now, it's going to be the perfect ending to an amazing weekend. Just dovetailing all these things together. And the prophetic message for this morning for you as a church is that God wants to resurrect some dreams in the hearts of those who are, in a sense, allowing the smell, the fragrance of shipwreck to come into your context for, for that to be reset. It's never too late to turn around. It's never too late to say yes where you have been saying no. It's never, never too late. God will always restore because God's scripture says in um, Romans 11 verse 29 that God will never take what He's given. His gift and call is without repentance. It's irrevocable. It's yours if you were willing to say yes. Don't allow shame to keep you from saying yes. And I don't want to get into that at the moment. And then the second thing is I believe that in Clarksorp in particular, there are many, many brand new promises, not because they've only just been spoken, but because they've never been claimed. And in God, never, God, in, in God nothing ever gets old. You know what I said? In God nothing ever gets old. So there are brand new promises awaiting for someone to say, Lord, maybe you've called 10 others, 20 others, 50 others. Maybe I wasn't even on the list initially, but now I'm putting myself on the list. I want to take the promises that you've spoken, and I want to count for those promises. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. You there? It says this. This charge. How many of you know that when God charges you, it's, it's, it's quite intentional? There's a weight that comes with that. He's not, he's not making a suggestion. So, right, he's not making a suggestion. He's charging us. He says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy. Put your own name there. Bartis, Bruce, Thomas, Murdoch, whatever. Put your own name there. This charge I entrust to you, my child, in accordance with the promises, prophecies, you can add different words there, but prophecies previously made about you, that by them... You may wage a good warfare. Say warfare. warfare. Which means that God is giving you and me something to put around our belt to fight with. And I love what Tobisa said yesterday, and my heart is so in line with that, is that it's time for us to get out of the pampering seats of being the bride. It's time for us to get into the, the trenches of being the army. You know, I'm, I'm one of those Spartan kind of guys. You know, when you, when you ask me about anything, I'm always about, let's go plumb the hell. Let's go kick the teeth out of that lion that pretends to be a lion. Let's just go and be the ones that God called us to be. Let's go pick a fight. Flip, let's go. Come on, who's with me? But listen to this. Holding faith and a good conscience by rejecting this. By rejecting what? The promise. By not holding the promise, by not fighting with the promise, by not making a priority with the promises that God has made, by not taking the priority of what God has put in your life, what happens? Some have made shipwreck of their faith. 
man. Let me tell you something that don't be too quick to put your hand up for a prophetic word. Who wants a prophetic word this morning? I've just said don't be too quick. And now all of you go like, me, me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> you know, the beautiful thing is that we all want the promise, right? Now, let me let you in a little secret. The enemy doesn't know the future, except for what has been exposed in Scripture. Because if he did, he would never put Jesus on the cross. Excuse me? We give the enemy way too much credit. He is actually very, very uncreative. And he has no clue about the future except for what has been presented in Scripture. God, on the other hand, knows exactly what your future is. And in the prophetic realm, we often speak about those who are out of Christ and those who are in Christ, because those out of Christ would be those who have a gift that is irrevocable, and they would move in the realm of, of, of the familiar spirit. They would be fortune tellers and those things. So what they would do is they would use everything up to the present, and then they would guess the future. And they can be very, very accurate up to the present, because they make use of a familiar spirit, which is here, yeah, that knows and sees and understands, it's been with you. And have interaction with that spiritual realm. But God, on the other hand, has access to that which he dreamt about in, in Psalm 139, when it says that God has got good thoughts about you, and every day of your life has been written in his book before one of them came to pass. He is the one that has access to that dream, no one else. And then God would come, and that's why the prophetic for me is such an incredible gift, because what God does, He says, listen, I come and speak about you, and I know the things about you, and it's just the word of knowledge. And often that is misinterpreted as prophetic, which it's not. It's just the word of knowledge. It gives us insight. But then God often grabs our attention with words of knowledge, so we can say, okay, the one who's speaking is knowing. God knows. And then God would come and God would then speak into the preferred future for your life through a promise. And often I've seen in people's lives that God would awaken something that's always been there and they know it's there but they can't put their finger on it. And then God speaks a promise and they go, yes, a second witness. Scripture speaks about witnesses establishing a cause, right? So the first witness is the prophetic utterance. The second witness should be your heart. Now, you've got something to fight for and fight with. Now, you actually have something that takes your faith and props it up into a dimension that actually the enemy can shake as much as he wants. He can spit as much as he wants. He can't do anything about it because God had said. But the problem is, now the enemy also knows where to fight you. So guess what happens often when you get a prophetic word? The first thing that happens is that thing is going to be tested. So don't be too quick to put your hand up unless you're ready for a fight. <laughs> but friends, the beauty is this, is that God will never give you a fight if He doesn't intend plunder. <laughs> you know what, that's why I often say, okay, bring on the fight. Me and my wife, we've been through some difficult things. And often we would look each other in the eye with tears running down our face because we're fighting big fights. And then one of us would say, why is it always so damn hard? And the other one would say, because we pray the difficult prayers. Friends, if you're not serious about God, I want to tell you there's going to be some battles, there's going to be some fights, there's going to be some pushing through that is demanded from your life. 
And most of those would come and cut the chaff away, the chaff and the rubbish away out of your life. And God is purifying you because what the God had done in our hearts of confession, in our hearts of witnessing with what God is saying, and through the prophetic words and utterances of others, God comes and He gives you and me an arsenal to fight with, and we cannot lose, but we have to fight. So let's pause there for a moment. Because maybe if you're like me, and I'm just going to be talking, about myself, I'm going to be vulnerable. You say, God, but how is that going to happen? <laughs> Have you ever had that? God comes and He speaks something, and you're like, Flip, this is just, it's too good to be true. It, it, it sounds impossible, Lord. Have you seen my past, Jesus? Do you know where I've been? You know what I'm thinking? You know what I've done? Really, do you want to see that happen in my life and through my life? How is that going to happen? I want to read something for you out of Genesis chapter 15. You can go there quickly. Genesis chapter 15. You know, I was um, early morning praying, and next moment I got a message on my phone. Ping! And I was Quentin. And he was asking me if I can please speak about sex this morning. <laughs> Just a joke, it's all right. But I do want to speak about covenant. I do want to speak about covenant because I want to show you something here that has radically changed my life. God is speaking to Abram. And he's saying, Abram, you will no longer be Abram, you will be Abraham. There's a promise that I'm giving you. There's something of a hope and a future that I'm unlocking to you. I'm allowing you to see what I wrote in the book before you were born. That's what promise does. That's what prophetic does. That's, that's how it happens. And listen here. Verse 7. Genesis 15, verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that, it shall, that I shall possess it? He's saying, Lord, I, it's awesome, it's great. It's the second time you're actually saying this to me. But how will I know? How will I know? I mean, in all honesty, how many of you have actually said, Lord, I've, you've spoken, you've prophesied, but how will I know? And God comes and he says, you'll know because I'm about to cut a covenant with you. I'm about to do something that I've never done for you. And we see that the only time covenant is mentioned before this time is when God speaks to Noah. And he makes a covenant with Noah. And the covenant then manifests itself as proof, as a rainbow. But now God comes and he takes what is, is out there and he comes and he makes it very, very personal and tangible with covenant. And I know that I joke about talking about sex, but I want to say this, is that the reason why the world and the enemy is so attacking that thing, because it's the picture of covenant, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, because we see here that God comes and He actually describes a process of cutting of covenant, because covenant, the word covenant includes a cutting process that brings about bloodshed. 
So God comes and he says, listen, take some animals, cut them in half. And then obviously we see there's blood involved with cutting of, of animals. And then we see that, a little bit later, you can go and read it. We see that God comes and he passes in between the animals that's been laid aside, the animals that's been cut open. God comes and he, he penetrates, forgive the, the visual picture, but he comes and he, he penetrates and he goes through and he established covenant in that moment with Abram. And then God comes and with that covenant assumes a massive responsibility in the process. Covenant, by its very design, is divine. So we see often in Scripture, most of the time, when God speaks to covenant, He's speaking about my covenant, speaking about the covenant that He has with others. And what God is saying is that He says, listen, I want to remind you of the covenant. You need to keep the covenant, but it's my covenant. I'm the one that actually comes and empowers that. So I want to establish something on the back of mercy and grace, as we've spoken before and, and Bruce taught us yesterday, is mercy is the process of becoming part. It's the process of adoption. It's the process of salvation. But that brings you and me into this covenant. And then covenant really is, it's not my ability, but His ability. And I want to show that to you in a moment. So grace is really what it's all about. Grace is God's ability made alive in us. Is that right? So covenant is this. And I want to go into, into marriage as a picture, because we see the church is a picture of marriage, of husband and wife, Jesus and the, the bride, you and me, the bride, Jesus being the bridegroom. So I want us to see something here. In the moment when someone gets married, what happens in that moment is they're entering into covenant. But contrary to our belief, it's not covenant with one another. Before you throw me, I want you to catch this. Okay. Before you stone me. Throw me is probably the wrong translation. The Afrikaans live dick, Papa. Okay, before you stone me, just hear me out. When I come into covenant, what happens is I'm actually taking my promise and I'm adding to the promise a divine authority and a divine ability. Yesterday I spoke about God being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? He never changed. Not even the shadows around Him changes. That's how steadfast He is. That's how steady He stands. And when we come to marriage, for example, the day that I said yes uh, to my wife and she said yes to me, it was done in the presence of our Father. And I often ask people when they want to get married, I say to them, why do you want to get married in the church? And then they would have all different kind of reasons, all of which is wrong, the only reason why you do it in the church is because you want to involve God. And please hear my heart in saying this, and I'm speaking to those who have God as authority in your life. If you're sleeping together before you get married, then you can't be telling me you want to involve God. I'm just saying that because I want to show you something. Because when you and I understand the dynamic of covenantal, biblical context of covenant, we see a whole new world open up to us, and my life in fruitfulness will take complete different traction when I see covenant as what God sees it as. So in that moment when I'm unmarried, I come before the Lord, I come before my wife, and God says, listen, I want you to enter into a covenant that will show the picture of the church and the, of me, and the way it happens, it happens through a cutting and a shedding of blood. And what happens in that moment is when I stand before the Lord and I want to involve Him in this process of marriage, I come to Him and I say, Lord, today I enter into a covenant with You, but someone else will benefit from that covenant. 
And he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God takes that thing very, very serious. Then he looks at me and he would say to me, Son, let me understand what you're saying here. You're saying that you want me, the divine, all-powerful one, to partner with you so that someone else can benefit from that. Is that what you're saying? Then I'd have to say, yes, it is. And he says, okay, in that case, I will take that responsibility. But you have to partner with that. So then he comes to my wife, and, he, and she would say, Lord, I want, to, I want to take this man to be my husband. I mean, Lord, have you seen him? He's amazing. He's, he's chiseled. He's clever. <laughs> anyway, sorry, it's my own movie. So what happens is, is, is she would come before the Lord, and she would say to him, Lord, I want to involve you in my marriage because that's the only way it's doable. I want to cut covenant with you, and he's going to benefit from this covenant. Because you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which means that actually the benefit that he's going to get, and I'm going to say the benefit that she's going to get, is not dependent on each other. It's dependent on you. Wow. You know what happens then? God gives me one responsibility while he takes all the other responsibility, and he gives her one responsibility while he takes all other responsibility. And my responsibility is to love her. And yesterday we spoke about love as a value, right? And we said that value, that love actually has many different faces, but it never changes. That's covenantal love. Now I can't go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, this wife you gave me. You know, we see someone in the Bible do that. Lord, this wife you gave me. It's difficult to love her. She's unlovable. You know what he would say? He would say, son, you know what? Your covenant's actually with me, not with her. And I'm the same yesterday, day, and tomorrow. And I've taken responsibility to allow you and enable you to love her. So just come and lean into me. Come rest with me. I'm going to make you able. Grace. <laughs> covenant unlocks in me the divine ability to do what God can do. And only covenant does that. Because let me explain something to you. When it comes to a promise, a promise has conditions attached to that and promise has an expiry date attached to that. Covenant doesn't. Covenant by nature is divine in God. And he says, I am the one that will fulfill that. And the only thing that changes covenant is death. Because obviously the beneficiary of that is no longer there. Then the, obviously God says we're free from that particular beneficiary Bound in covenant. So right? So now, ladies, I'm going to speak to you. Guys, all of you, close your eyes, your ears. Okay, all the ladies, if you go and you, you cry before the Lord and say, Lord, I cannot submit to this man. I cannot honor him. Guess what the response from heaven would be? My daughter, it might be true what you're saying. But your covenant's not with him. Your covenant's with me. Your covenant's with me. And what I'm going to do is I'll sort him out, but that's not the point. The point is, you love on me, and I will enable you to honor him. Because I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I never change. And then what happens, friends, and I've seen this many times in my own life, and I've seen it many times in many other married people's lives is that the moment the focus is not you are doing that, you doing that. The moment the focus is, Lord, help me, there's restoration attached. 
Because I want to tell you that the moment we live in the divine ability of God, nothing can break this up because God has put it together. Covenant is the very thing that allows the promises of God to be true. So just to honor the request that Quentin sent to me. I want to show you something, because when you and I see the beauty, we don't have to worry about the dirty. I often say to people, listen, we're not going to fight the darkness. I don't want to waste time like that. I'm simply going to switch on the light. So the moment I switch on the light, darkness is not an issue, right? But the problem is that we're so telling the darkness. We're so saying, don't do this, don't do this, that's ugly, that's not that... That actually what happens in the process is we never get to switch on the light. And if I can be a little bit expressive, forgive me. I want you to understand that if we keep on teaching and training people that sex is bad, it's ugly, it's whatever. Let me tell you something. You're never going to give them to get to that moment and then suddenly think it's good and beautiful and nice. The problem is that sex has been defiled, and it's not about sex, it's covenant has been defiled, where for most of the guys it's become a licentious, self-centered thing. And for most women, it is an ugly, dis- dirty thing. Now put those two things together on the day of marriage, and I'm telling you, you've got a perfect storm. Then we wonder why we don't see the fruitfulness that God gives us from Scripture. Because what the enemy has done is he is defiling covenant through the means of sex. He's taking you and me out of the place where we can lean into God who never changed and sees promises fulfilled. And then we see shipwreck after shipwreck after shipwreck after shipwreck because we don't know what it means to lean into covenant because God has done it. Because friends, the truth is this, is that if the enemy can get you to lose faith in one area, I used to love you, I used to give my life to you, but now there's no more faith for that. I'm telling you, it's going to be very difficult to believe in the one who's given life. And my heart breaks when we don't get to see and understand the beauty of covenant, that Jesus has shed his blood for you and me. And the only thing we have to do is say, Lord, I'm never going to give up on what you've said, even if it means I have to be cut here and cut there and be changed here and changed there to be purified in every way because the promises is yes and amen, but it needs an amen from you and me, a partnership to come into what God has. I don't want to have a promise that God has given me that ends up on someone else's shoulder because I haven't been able to see it through. The covenant. God says covenant. And I want to explain covenant quickly. And then we're going to get started. When a husband and wife comes together, and I, I'm talking about the ideal world, so please understand that I'm not here to point fingers at anyone. Uh, I'm not here to, to make you regret anything. I'm here to switch the light on and show the beauty of this so that you can be restored to the beauty because God always restores us. Is that right? When a husband and wife comes together in the context of Scripture, the process is this. The husband would come and he would ask the father, I want to have your daughter. Guess what the father would do? He would say, I guarantee you her virginity. It's not about sex, it's about, listen, she's not in covenant with anyone. (laughs) She is available for covenant. 
And then he goes away and he prepares a place. And when his dad says the place is ready, his dad then will take him to go and get the bride. Isn't that exactly how it works with Jesus? Jesus has gone up to prepare a place. He doesn't know when he's coming back. The father will say the place is ready. Let's go. <laughs> it's amazing. Then while the bride is waiting in anticipation, she doesn't know when the bridegroom is going to appear. We see that all in Scripture. The bridegroom can come anytime. The bride's waiting. There's anticipation. I'm going to keep myself pure. I'm going to, I'm going to keep myself available for this covenant. And then the day comes when the, when the bridegroom comes. And there's a massive feast and everything is prepared. And then what happens, there's a moment where they stand before the Father, the Lord of God, our God in heaven. And they would then do what I just said. He would say, Father, man, this is exciting. I'm coming into covenant with you and I promise I would love her and you can enable me to love her. You are the one that's going to make me um, shine your light and be a representation of you to her. What a privilege. Would you enable me? Would you uh, empower me? I'm coming into covenant with you, a divine ability that you give to me. And she comes in and says, Lord, oh, Father, I'm so excited to actually come and, and honor this man. I'm so excited to actually be the bride um, and, and, and honor you in the process. Would you enable me? Would you uh, uh, give a covenantal divine ability to me to shine my love for you by loving him in that way, by giving myself to him? And then the father would say, yes, you can come into covenant with me. You can come into covenant with me, but you're going to benefit from each other in that covenant. So now you're going to cut that covenant on my behalf. And then they go and they do exactly what we see here in, in Genesis 15. And forgive the, ex, the explicitness. But she's opened up and he would penetrate. And in that moment, there's a cutting and blood is shed. You know what happens right there? Everyone waits outside. Because it's not about sex, it's about covenant. And then she, the lady, the bride, would come out with the sheet, with a mix of intimacy and blood, and she would fold it up and she would come out and she would see, the covenant is cut. The contract is established. We are each other's. Isn't that amazing? Now, every single time husband and wife are together, guess what they do? They're reminding each other. They're saying, listen, I'm yours. We are cutting covenant again. God is in his divine ability. is making me able to love you. And she's saying, I'm cutting with you again covenant. And God in his divine ability is allowing me to honor you. Let's celebrate covenant. Can you see how the enemy has defiled? Because the enemy has stolen covenant from us and has made it an expression of lustful pleasure, self-indulging. Then we wonder why we, we struggle to make this thing work. Because in this understanding, it's all about me. And in this understanding, it's all about you. Because covenant is what? It's God and me. Someone benefits. Sex outside... It's all about me. Come on. I need to find the pleasure. And the value of covenant is diminished. Now, again, I didn't want to speak about sex, but I want us to understand the context of covenant because when it comes to 1 Timothy 1.18, I want us to read it with a covenantal understanding. Let's go there again. 1 Timothy 1.18.
Friends, if I may, I'm going to take a little bit of a liberty just because I feel I'm part of this household. I love this house. I pray for this house often. And I want to ask you this morning if we can just be a little bit free with time with the things of God. Because this is a, this is a, this is a holy moment. And there's some things that God wants to do this morning about restoration. And also, we want to create space for God to actually come and allow you and me to see His covenant with individuals. Is that right? 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the covenant I've cut with you. Can you see here, right here, God is coming and He's saying, listen, I'm in a divine partnership with you. And I'm the one that's going to make it a possibility in you. So when it comes to covenant and husband and wife, husband comes, cries out to the father, and the father says, my divine ability through covenant will allow you to love her irrespective because I don't change. Now God comes and he applies the same footprint, the same fingerprint, the same DNA, the same character of who he is. And he says, listen, when it comes to the promise, the individual expression of covenant with you, I'm entrusting it to you. And I want you to take that covenant and war with it. Because let me tell you something, in all honesty, if you've been married any longer than five days, you'll know what I'm talking about. You don't always emotionally feel the fluffy feeling of love towards your wife. And there, you're going to have to lean into God and say, God, you have to make me able. I'm fighting with a promise that you said that I'm going to be able to love on her. And let's be honest, for the ladies, if you're married to a guy for anything longer than two hours, <laughs> you know it's not always easy to honor him. It doesn't come natural. It's not like, Flip, you are amazing, and I want to honor you, except for my wife, all you rest. <laughs> the truth is that you actually need to fight a fight there. And allow God and His divine ability to allow you to honor Him. Because the, the truth is that the more you honor, the more He loves. And the more He loves, the more you honor. It's just one hand washing the other. And often the picture that I would use is when we do counseling and, 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 and premarital uh, discipleship is we'd say, listen, it's like eating but through someone else's mouth. If you're hungry, feed them. It's exactly how it works with covenant. And God comes and says, listen, my son, my daughter, I have got a very specific purpose with your life, a very specific promise with your life. It's a covenantal design for you. Fight with that thing as it's like the, your life depends on it. And the reason why we do that is because we keep on reminding ourselves of the covenant. So he says, listen, if you want to keep yourself from making a shipwreck of your faith, just come back to it often. Now again, excuse my explicitness. If you want to make sure your marriage is healthy, you have to cut covenant often. I'm telling you, it's amazing how covenantal acts change the environment. But may I say this, is it comes from a place of purity. So maybe you're sitting in and you're like, okay, it's great, it's awesome, but I'm not married. And my word to you is, is what you do is just as important as what you don't do. The best thing you can do to invest in covenant then is to be in covenant now. 
You know, Romans 5 speaks of grace that increase. As sin increase, grace increase all the more. You read that? I think it's 5.20. And so often that's been used out of context to licentiate sin. So let me ask you a simple question. If you love someone, why would you try and see how much you can get away with? You know, in all honesty, my wife loves me, and she's incredibly forgiving. And she'll probably forgive me of almost anything. But in all honesty, if I love her, why would I try and see how much she can forgive me of? And the context is wrong. Let me show you quickly. One morning, I was reading that in Romans, and I was like, Lord, okay, I, I don't understand this. There's a lot of teaching going around about people misusing grace. I don't understand that. I don't see that. Some of my understanding today of grace came from that revelation that God gave me that day. I was going to the gym, and in the gym we were training at at that stage. I'm, I'm not lying. When you go through the door, it's like walking onto a, uh, what would you say, a, a, a photo shoot scene with all of the best-looking men and women in town. You can just pick any, any one guy and put him on men's health, and you can pick any one girl or two and put them on whatever they would be on. I don't know. They're beautiful. They look amazing. And the worst part is that because we're in, then was 2018 or something, 2017. Because we were in 2017, I go into the gym and the ladies there don't leave much for my imagination. And all honestly, they don't. I mean, I, I walk in there and it's like, phew, this is a gym. May I remind you? And they're like, it's exactly the gym. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, I've just read this thing about as sin increase, grace increase. And I'm sitting on the spinning bike and I'm, I'm trying to focus on my training and these beautiful women running around with everything showing and I'm like, and the Lord said to me, Zach, do you see that? I mean, that's a loaded question. I mean, if you say no, you know you're lying. <laughs> and if you say yes, you're guilty. as yes. charged. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, I do, Lord. <laughs> I'd rather go for guilty and honest, you know. And as I said yes, the Lord said to me, do you think that the church fathers was exposed to this? Do you think Paul and Peter and John and James, do you think they were exposed to this? And I'm like, Lord, no, I don't think they have. I don't, I don't think they, they had half-naked women walking around everywhere. I don't think they had cell phones where porn comes to you. I don't think they had billboards that leaves nothing for the imagination. I don't think they had women actually chasing them for what, whatever. Can I be honest? As a man, those things come to me. I don't have to look for them. Lady, ma'am, wife, I want to tell you, for your man, he doesn't have to look for it. It comes to him. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't think they were exposed to this as I have. And the Lord said to me, sure, sin has increased, hasn't it? And I said, yes, Lord. And he says, you see, as sin increased, my grace in you to not sin increase all the more. And in that moment, friends, God comes and He puts you and me above. And God says, covenant. I'm the one that will make you able. It's not you, it's me. So when it comes to the promises that God gives us, friends, God wants you and me to be intimate with that promise as often as we can. Because intimacy reminds us of His ability, not mine. 
You know what the book of James says? The book of James says, listen, don't, tell, don't say God tempts you. Because he, he's not tempted. It says, but it's your own flesh that entices you, drags you away. And then when it conceives, it gives birth to sin. You know how conception happens? Quentin, guys, let me just tell you quickly. How <laughs> you know how conception happens? It happens through intimacy. Conception is impossible without intimacy. It's impossible without cutting covenant. So the truth is that when you and I live in the promises of God, it's because we are cutting covenant with the promise over and over again. If we sin, it's because we're cutting covenant with sin over and over again. What are you choosing to be intimate with? What are you choosing to cut covenant with? Because I'm telling you, if you cut covenant with the enemy, he's going to enable you to do that. If you cut covenant with God, he's going to enable you to be over that and to live in the promises of God. So friends, when God calls you to purity, it's actually got nothing to do with having or not having sex before marriage. It's got everything to do with living in your promise. Everything to do with living in your promise. The fact that you can say no to things that you know will defile you actually brings you closer and closer to the promise of God in your life. Every time you take covenant with your eyes, Scripture says we need to have covenant with our eyes. Every time I see something that, that potentially can lead me into covenant with the wrong things, I have to take covenant with my eyes and I have to bring it back to the promises of God. And then God comes and He says, my son, I'm unlocking more and more of the promise for you. I'm not going to be the individual A that's going to walk away and have a shipwreck of my faith. I'm going to be someone who actually is covenantal with the Father. And I'm going to lean into my promise and say, God, you said this. God, you said this. God, you said this. God, you said this. I'm fighting for it. I'm fighting for it. Because you know the thing is that the fight is actually in your own flesh. And every time I remind myself of what God had said, I'm one step closer to victory in my own flesh. I'm one step closer to see God's fulfillment in me because God needs a character to sustain the call. And that character, friends, I'm telling you, happens with cutting covenant with the right things and cutting away the things that are not of God. You know, some of you might know my story, but my wife and I, we got married as unbelievers. We were married in a church having no cooking clue what we were doing because it was the right thing to do. Then we messed it up properly. Our marriage was falling apart at the rate of nothing. We weren't going to make our second wedding anniversary. September, October, we spoke about divorce. Year and a half into marriage. Our marriage, second wedding anniversary was going to be the 7th of December. That year, October, we're speaking about divorce. Our lives are falling apart. We can't handle each other, can't talk proper with one another. It's a mess. 22nd of October, God intervenes. <laughs> he says, son, come to I want to talk you a question. <laughs> he extended grace to me, adopted me into a new household. <laughs> he became my father. And he showed me covenant. And he said, son, I love you irrespective. And I'm going to make you able to love irrespective because it's you and me, no one else. 22nd of October, 1998, same day, same meeting. The woman I once loved had a radical encounter with Jesus. Got adopted by mercy. 
cleansed by his blood. And he cut covenant with her. When I opened my eyes, the whole world looked different. There was different color, different smells, new creation. And then God started reconciling me to who I am. And he started reconciling her to who she is. And we both realized that actually our covenant that we have with the Father has a benefactor to it, a beneficiary. And God started restoring our marriage. And we made our second wedding anniversary. And our third and our fourth. God willing, this year, 26. So why all of this? Because we are the bride and he is the bridegroom. The same principle applies within this community. So when you walk through the door there, when you walk into your light group, when you walk into the town, it's you and him with many other beneficiaries. I can't say, Lord, did you see how that guy drives? Did you see what that guy did? Did you, Lord, did you see that sin that that guy committed? God says, your covenant's with me, son. But he will benefit from that covenant. He would be the one that benefits from what I've done with you and what you've done with me. Now suddenly it's easy to love everyone. Now suddenly it's easy to serve everyone. Now simply it's easy to come into a community like this and not get offended by what they preach <laughs> or what they do. How many of you have been hurt by the church? Okay, don't look around. <laughs> Can I remind you of something? That your covenant's not with them. Your covenant's with Him. And they benefit from that. I'm telling you, friends. You know, the biggest lie of the enemy is getting you and me to believe it's about us. That's why we have pot plants moving around. Because we're getting offended. And we forget that actually the covenant is with me and him, and someone else benefits from that covenant. Can I be honest with you? There's no one in my wife's life, no one in her life that hurt her as bad as I have. Not one person ever. Not one. The person that hurt her the most in this whole world is me. You're looking at him, right? You're guilty. And chances are I'll do it again. Hurt her. Okay? So understand what I'm saying. Don't understand what I'm not saying. The truth is that I hurt her because I'm still in process. And I, at times, make it impossible for her to honor me. But she has a covenant that I benefit from. And when you and I come into the place of covenant, when you and I come into the place of understanding that actually this is a very individual thing with a very, very corporate expression, suddenly we live free. Suddenly I can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be intimate with my promise with you again. I want to allow you to live in me in a way that I've never allowed you to live in me. Where truly it will be selfless because actually the covenant's you and me and others benefit from that covenant. Now, friends, when that is your reality, when that becomes your revelation, now I can say, Lord, I'm in covenant with you. How do I show that covenant this morning to my friend? And then suddenly the gift that's inside of you just is poured forth. Because now I'm not looking who deserves the gift. <laughs> 
I don't know about you, but sometimes we do that, don't we? Well, Lord, let's just find someone who's deserving of the gift. Let's see who smiles the best. Let's see who looks the best. Let's see who actually has got his Bible with him this morning. (laughs) And what happens is that what we do is we become God rather than the one who is changed by God, saved by God. Someone here this morning has not cut covenant with the Father yet. Someone here this morning has been coming to church, maybe for the first time, maybe for years, maybe decades. And like me, when I was 24, I've been at church every day, every, every Sunday, almost every Sunday. Drunk or not, bubblers or not, I was there. And I say that with great love, friends. I want you to understand that in that space, I've never cut covenant with Jesus. And someone here this morning needs to say, I want to cut covenant with Jesus. I want him to make me able. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to actually become a new creation. To actually allow him to adopt you and go give you a whole new view of life. So I want to ask you, if you need to make right with Jesus this morning, if you need to cut covenant with Jesus this morning, would you quickly just stand for me? I want to pray with you. And we're going to make heaven celebrate. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Scripture says that if you acknowledge Jesus before men, Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, as Gareth said, will acknowledge you before the Father. So everyone that's standing now, right now, you're being acknowledged before the Father. Is there anyone else that needs to stand and say, I want to make right with Jesus? Just stand for me quickly. There's some more. I know there's more people that need to stand. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, man. I know there's more people. Come on. If you need to stand, stand quickly. If your seat is burning, your heart is pulsing, that's you. I can help you make that decision. That's you. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. If you're making right with Jesus, thank you, ma'am. Come quickly. I want you to come and pray with me right here. If you're standing, just come quickly. I want to pray with you. If you've got a friend with you, let them come with you. Let them bring you. Take your hand. Walk you through. Okay. You guys can look at me. You can just stand here. Look at me. Is there anyone else that needs to quickly come? Okay. Don't want to labor the issue, but I do want to give an opportunity. If you need to be here, come quickly. Okay. Awesome. What an incredible, incredible moment. Can, give, can we give God a hand for all these beautiful people? Okay. So all of you, I need you to look at me quickly and listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Is This is the moment where your old life is cut off. And your new life is birthed. This is the moment where actually you come into this covenant with with the Father. And He says, I know you can't, but I can. That's why you need me. And I'm going to be the one that actually enables you. I'm going to be the one that's going to come and make my home inside of you. And I'm going to be the one that gives you the strength to do all of what we just spoke about. You don't have to worry about that. You just lean into me. You just hold on to me and you allow me to lead you. You allow me to speak to you and you allow me to give you the strength to do what you need to do. It's not difficult. He's big enough to put everything that you need to do right in front of you. Like this. 
just in front of you is going to put it right there. Only thing you need to do is just begin this beautiful relationship and partnership with him where you hold on to him and talk to him and allow him to lead you. Is that right? So we're going to pray a prayer, but this is your prayer. I've prayed this prayer, this prayer, and this is your opportunity to pray this prayer. And in this prayer, what you are going to do is you're going to say, Lord, my old life, I'm cutting it off. And I'm giving this to you, as gunky and messy as it might be, I'm giving this life to you, and you are the one that's going to take that, make it new, not fix it, make it new, and you're the one that's going to come and give me a new life, and you're the one that's going to now live, allow me to live in that promise that you wrote in the book. Do you know that every one of your days is written in the book of Jesus? Every one of your days. Which means there's no such thing as a mistake. There's unplanned parents, but no unplanned kids. Is that right? And then what happens is you and I are going to invite the Holy Spirit, which is God Himself, to come and live inside of you, to make a home with you. And He's the one that is then going to make you able. He's the one that's then going to teach you, lead you, and allow you to do the things that really is just going to bring joy and fullness to your life. Is that right? So you're going to pray worth to support, but this is your prayer. Okay, let's all pray out loud. Lord Jesus, right now I come to you, and I give my old life to you. And I ask that you would forgive me. Wash me clean. Set me free. And put me in your hand. Holy Spirit, now that I'm forgiven and washed, I give my life to you. And I ask you to come and live inside of me. Make this new life tangible and real. You my friend and my leader. And my King, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.